Hey everyone, it is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. Welcome to TechTO Quick Takes. I'm your host, Alex Riley, and here are today's headlines. GAN Systems is bought for 830 million US. Barley Repeat Founders brew up a $4 million raise. Myovision and Paper make similar acquisitions. We'll explain why we're combining these two stories later on. And for our lightning round, we'll go through a few notable raises and acquisitions making news from the last couple weeks. And to break it all down, Alex Norman joins me. Hey. Hey, Alex. Uh, looks like it's getting a bit busier again. Yes, it's good. It's nice to see news picking up on the raise and acquisition side. Um, and also seeing some, you know, um, repeat founders doing more great stuff with other companies. So uh, definitely a good sign that the ecosystem is starting to get busy again. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, fun. Yeah. It's much more fun going through news when there's news. Exactly. And it's nice. I mean, as we know, talking about things that aren't related to layoffs or anything like that, too. So uh, we have a lot we want to get through today, clearly. Uh, so uh, the GAN Systems news uh, bought for big money. So maybe explain just high level what the news is and also who they are. So, uh, you know, this is reported by Global Mail on March 2nd. GAN Systems is being purchased by Infion for $830 million USD. A lot, not a unicorn mm -hmm. amount, but mm -hmm. still a lot. Yep. Um, GAN Systems is Ottawa-based. They're a fabulous semiconductor maker. Um, what's interesting is their semiconductors are similar and lighter than existing transistor chips, be but entered that way because they use what's called gallium nitrate on silicone in their design. So they're lighter, uh, they are smaller, which means they're more energy efficient and faster. And, you know, if you look, what's also interesting, if you look at the history, and this wasn't covered by Gold Mail or the articles, mm -hmm. but um, Matt Roberts, whose father co-founded this company, um, had a tweet storm explaining the backstory, which was basically his father wanted to have a better uh, speaker and kept him going back to what's the original problem and, it and eventually came back to the source, the semiconductors themselves. So I had to actually look this up myself because I wasn't familiar with what like Fabulous was. So, so what is that? What is that? mean why is it significant so if you go back to history in semiconductors mm -hmm. yep. it used to be you designed you manufactured your your semiconductor um okay. yeah and, and there was like even some founders that said hey real men make their chips um but what changed over the last 30 years is basically instead of being vertically integrated um companies like taiwan semiconductor mm -hmm. said hey you know what we can be your outsourced solution. So we'll build best in class manufacturing. You just design it and then we'll work with you to, to make your chips. So basically GAN systems came up with the design and they outsourced the manufacturing of the chips. So that's what the, the fabulous means. Um, okay. You know, I, I think the other thing to note here is because the way these the chips are designed, you know, I said they're more energy efficient and faster. So they're actually climate friendly because they use less energy. They produce mm -hmm. less CO2. Um, and you know, so when that means use less energy and you make less CO2, you either get used by, uh, you know, products that need more power like EVs mm -hmm. or your ways to make stuff, you know, cheaper to run because if it's less energy, you need less fans. So like, you, know, you see smart speakers and street lighting, uh, street lighting, using it, and they've shipped semiconductors to 2000 customers. And obviously that's the way the world's going, right? Everybody's trying to be more climate conscious and the energy efficiency is very important. So, so that makes a lot of sense. I want to go back to the purchaser specifically, because you mentioned it just right at, at the top. Uh, so Infineon, um, who are they? Uh, what's the story there? 
So in, I'll give you the Wikipedia definition of who Infineon sure. is. It's, yeah, you know, sure. makes life easier. Yep. So Infineon Technologies is a German semiconductor manufacturer founded in 1999 when a semiconductor operations of the former parent company Siemens AG were spun off. So basically, they're old school semiconductor manufacturer um, spun off from a parent company in Germany. Interesting. Okay. Uh, appreciate the, the definition. So there wasn't a lot of details in this that we know of, but why are they choosing to purchase GAN? Look, um, you know, this is, I, I think there's two possible rationales that Infian could have internally. The one, which I think is the bit more obvious one, and, you know, I'm a bit more confident about is, you know, if you're Infineon and, and semiconductors always have sort of like this S curve of adoption where something's really expensive to produce, only the early adopters use it, then it hits the inflection point, gets much more cheaper because it's much more widespread and the margins get better. And GAN seems to be hitting that inflection point. So Infineon's buying something that is mm -hmm. about to go gross. So they probably paid more than its hypothetically current value is. But if you do discount cash flow, there's probably significant upside here. Second of all, Infineon has its own fab. Um, hypothetically, if they can manufacture it, there might be ability to capture a bigger percent of the margin and, and create value that way. And uh, a couple of the last questions to finish it off. So there might be a few perspectives on this question, but do you think this is a win for the ecosystem? Well, there's always going to be multiple perspectives, but when you talk about semiconductors, I think they're much more politically charged uh, technology than you know a SaaS software generally. And so I think if you look at it from the investors and employees' perspective, this is definitely a win. Um, they were you know they raised a bunch of money on the way up, but this looks like it was a solid return, like a venture to type scale return on their investment. Uh, the employees probably made good money for the auto ecosystem. Uh, there's a few more angels who have made money off hardware semiconductors, so that you can probably get them in your company. So that that's a win for, on a you know on a tech ecosystem level. I think yep. where I question this, and we'll see questions of the press about this, is a country level. Um, semiconductors are needed to run the world these days. They're mm -hmm. in your cars. They're in your yep. blow dryers. They're everywhere, right? And in the politically charged climate right now. Um, the world leaders in Taiwan, you know, it's, it, it's Taiwan semiconductor. And then other countries have other plants, um, you know, have Intel and every, I'd say lots of G seven countries have come up with a semiconductor pl plan incentives to bring more, you know, design and fabrication back home. Mm -hmm. Canada has no strategy. We used to be a leader in, you know, if you go back 30 years ago, our industry, our, our ecosystem had software, but was known for telco hardware, semiconductors, You've seen a few of our semiconductor fabulous semiconductors go public this year. And here looks like a winner. Here looks someone that's cutting edge. They're getting acquired by a European company. Not necessarily bad, but it just seems like there's no strategy here for us to succeed in something we had a historical legacy in. So it's kind of sad. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting. Uh, interesting to lay out the multiple perspectives in that sense. So lastly, just some takeaways for our, our community. Oh, well. You know, again, we talk a lot about software. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of the last 10 years I mean about software. Um, as I just said, like, you go back to late yeah. 90s, early 2000s, we were known for, like, Nortel. We were known for, um, you know, semiconductors. We were known for hardware. Mm -hmm. um, 
So there's still, if if that's what you're passionate about, there's still a lot of talent, a lot of talent that seems scaled. There's a lot of there's there's a lot of angels. You should go do it. I I think hardware is hard, but it works. Um, the other thing is here is you know I just said hey we need a strategic rationale for you know semiconductors. Well, I don't think we you know and and that's because it's, I think it comes to more of a security threat. Uh, meanwhile, what we you know on the flip side, I don't think we need necessarily incentives to produce climate companies like we probably need a climate strategy but like where we have is lots of like right now but like let's go finance a bunch of climate tech companies let's get government grants that to make the make sure the returns are there well yeah the, the market's going there people want climate stuff so the best companies are going to be doing stuff and usually most companies are more productive so unless the you know unless it's something that's an exhaust from it that's negative um, I think there's enough incentives in the market to get climate-friendly companies, and those are the ones that are going to succeed anyway. So it's almost like we've instead of having a climate strategy, we have climate incentives. Mm -hmm. I think it should be the exact opposite. Yeah, as you said, they're being disproportionately more rewarded. So, yeah. okay, uh, good takeaways, I think, for our community. Uh, just to, to quickly move into the next headline. So uh, Barley repeat founders grew up 4 million uh, US. So before we get into more of, um, just like the, the repeat founder storyline, just what's the news and also like who is Barley? What do they do? So Barley uh, launched in 2021, announced they have raised 4 million USD to date with Golden Ventures leading both rounds and Union Capital um, participating in both rounds. Um, mm -hmm. What they're doing is they help small and medium-sized companies determine how to compensate employees by bringing more structure and technology to the process. There's a lot more details, but that's the high level what they do. Right. And um, so just other notable thing I just mentioned, so it's two repeat founders. So who are they? Uh, what were the companies that they founded before? And, and why is it notable? So so first of all, it's normal because it's repeat founders. So um, mm -hmm. first one in Toronto is, you know, is Jafar from Lupio. Lupio is one of those big successes. Everyone wanted to get into a Jafar founded company. So that made it hot right away. Then he mm -hmm. partnered with a friend of his, uh, Billy uh, Mingai, who had previously um, co-founded Real House, which is a direct-to-consumer film distribution platform that I believe had an exit. So, um, what? So you got two co-founders. Mm -hmm. um, what was more interesting is, look, the company was founded in 2021 in the middle of a hot market where everyone was announcing rounds to recruit employees. Yeah, these experienced founders basically didn't make much noise. They went there, they did a private beta. Um, they got some design customers. So these are customers that would provide lots of feedback. They tested a bunch of hypotheses and they're now coming sort of out of, I wouldn't say stealth, but they're now going, making a bit more noise now that they have a, a product and customers they believe um, work. So you said it was, you know, at a time when it was really hot, but I guess what makes this market today appealing? Well, I don't know about you, but every employer I've ever talked to spends time on figuring out salary compensation, probably figures out what's equitable. Um, you know, Doing it's so, yep. yeah. So like, yep. you know, unless, unless you're a team of one, you have mm -hmm. to figure this out. So, the, so yep. hypothetically, this is every employer out there. The market's huge. There's also a bit of, I'd say tailwinds right now, regulatory change. Like there's more transparency coming to some States um, explaining, Hey, what's the, like, you know, if you're posting a job, what does it pay? So, it's even more structured before you even put a job out there. Mm -hmm. um, and that means there's probably going to be some dis disruption and changes. So you got this huge market and there's, a, you know, there's a, some several high profile companies that have raised a ton of money, like uh, Pave, I think, has raised $100 million. Um, 
you've got lots of legacy incumbent companies that are serving small niche markets, mm-hmm. but the biggest competitor are these spreadsheets. So what, so you got to hear that a market that basically every employer needs a product that every employer needs to use, and you're really competing against um, inertia. So when I, you know VC looks at this and goes, okay, the question is not what are the other big companies doing in the space, but can these can Barley find a a unique customer profile, a unique distribution model where it makes it go to market affordable and they can capture a big chunk of the market. Right. And uh, so lastly, you said it's not uncommon, obviously, to have repeat founders co-found another company or, or team up like that. So obviously, that's not so much of a, you know, you need to be that in order to be successful. So what are high level, just your other takeaways for our community around this news? Look, um, so there's you know there's a bunch you know founders and market you know if you're not a repeat founder i can't there's no takeaway for you here if you're a repeat founder you know that's valuable um what here is what's interesting about this market um lots of people look at a market see it's huge and get worried that there's a startup that seems to be taking it but if your largest competitor which is true in lots of potential SaaS markets is paper or microsoft or google office it's an enticing market to enter because it's if you can get people off, you know, to actually use ad value and use software to solve it, there's there's value to be had. Um, I think what you can learn also from these repeat founders, instead of making noise when you launch, it is better to find a few customers, build a product with them, get it to be great, better understand the market. And then once you understand who you're selling to, why you're buying to, and know to stick it that stick to it, that's when you make use announcement. That's when you make the noise make an announcement. And I, I think you're also going to see this also reflects a change in the market. Um, you know, in th- most companies in 2021 make an announcement the second they close around, and that's because they need to convince employees that they're a hot company they need to join. A bit less pressure on recruiting employees and improving employer brand. Mm-hmm. Now I think you'll see many more announcements made for other reasons, and some might just not make announcements, or some might say, okay, we need to prove we're credible to potential um customers or maybe it's a, just almost a way to build inbound interest for the next round but i think you're going to see the timing of an announcement have a lot less to do when the, the funding was actually closed okay in- that's interesting uh, takeaway uh we also have uh some uh, i think jafar has spoken at lots of like tech events in the past so i'll make sure yeah. that just related to this i'll i'll link uh, anything that we have um so that that'll be great and also just uh, that'll be in the newsletter too so segueing into uh, the newsletter. If uh, you want to see stories like this and catch up on old content right to your inbox, a great place to do it is our newsletter. So if you haven't subscribed, techtio.org backslash newsletter. I've really been enjoying personally just how we're highlighting a lot of um, startups that I'm not super familiar with. Obviously, our ecosystem is quite dense and there's a lot that, you know, are obviously um, pre-seed. It, it doesn't matter uh, what the situation is. Obviously, we try and give lots of opportunity to share those stories. Anything um, aside from that you're liking, Alex? Well, I, there's two things. One is every Friday now we're dropping highlights from the new podcast that's dropping on a Friday. Yep. And I think also, we're you know, I've challenged a team to go back through our backlog of our mm-hmm. back catalog of videos and try to reflect um, bring out, you know, the relevant ones. Like, look, we, you know, I was looking this weekend. We have over one thousand six hundred YouTube videos alone mm-hmm. of founders sharing knowledge or interviews. And so yeah. I look at this today. We're talking about, you know, 
uh, Barley. I know we've had Jafar talk. I don't remember if we've had Billy talk. Um, you know, Myovision Paper. I know we've had Myovision talk paper. We've done a podcast with with the founders. Um, so we have a lot of knowledge, which I'm trying to research, you know, highlight at the appropriate time in the newsletter. So it's mm -hmm. it's exciting. It's definitely our strategy is we want to find the best way to to repurpose this because it is still insanely relevant to today, whether it was, you know, however many years ago they spoke. So it's a good point and it's a challenge, but I think we'll, we'll figure out a way to best uh, present it to our audience and make sure it's just, just relevant to what is going on. So today's episode is sponsored by our friends at CPSA. Don't forget to check out our March 23rd free webinar, close more business in a down economy. Struggling to find predictable sales revenue, riding a roller coaster of peaks and valleys? Learn how to create a sense of urgency and increase the size of your deals to generate more revenue with less effort. Sign up at the link in our show notes. You mentioned Maya Vision and Paper. That's going to be the next headline that I want to get into. So we're combining these two stories, and um, I'm going to have you explain kind of why you're doing that. So just what's the news? overall there and why are we choosing to i guess combine and talk about both of them at the same time okay so i, I think you had two announcements which are very similar so waterloo mm -hmm. based myovision acquired winnipeg's micro traffic yep. montreal based paper acquired major clarity um both these you know the obvious one you could say is hey there was both these announcements they didn't yeah. talk about the acquisition price and the details or terms yeah that's true and it, but you know most acquisitions the detail in terms aren't shared or leaked. What's less obvious is, is I think what appears to be rationale behind both these acquisitions. You've got two scale-ups here, Myovision and Paper, growing nicely. And you get this problem as you keep on scaling up. It's hard to keep the growth consistent because mm -hmm. you get this, what's called mm -hmm. this law of large numbers. Growing from 50 million to 30% means you have to grow 15 million. If you're at 100 million revenue to grow at 30%, you have to grow 30 million. If you're a billion, you have to go 300 million. It gets harder and harder to do. So there's, there's basically two ways to do it. You can either um, extend your product line and figure ways to monetize your current customers better or you get new customers. And in this case, I think both these acquisitions are driven by a desire to sell more products to your current customer base. And I want to just double click more specifically on each, each one. So maybe like current vision, roadmap, how this is going to look. So why don't you start with myovision first and then we'll, we'll feed into paper after that. Okay. So, and again, always a caveat, this is outside in, we don't have any inside. We haven't done interview the founders. So look, if, if you look at myovisions, their, their vision is to reduce road congestion. So they mm -hmm. sell to um, government entities to help improve the road conditions. Uh, they're very successful. And then you look at a company like micro traffic, uh, their technology allows it. They, they, their technology allows um, micro traffic to do analysis of, of basically traffic flow and analysis to identify where based on traffic data, which intersections are dangerous and then recommend plans to make those intersections safer. So, and micro traffic apparently has around hundred customers and 21 employees. Um, but I think the real thing that MyVision is looking for here is this product that's been built and proven to um, basically provide a solution for to identify and provide a solution for dangerous intersections. 
So, you know, you can imagine this acquisition gets complete. They have another product. And what my vision does is either adds to the product suite, you know, gives them a reason to increase the price or helps them convert a few customers that are on, on the edge saying, hey, we've had now had this thing you, you said you want. And, and there's a lot of press out there about how lots of different jurisdictions have increased their budget to make their roads safer. I think in states, I think there's an $800 million budget yeah. from the federal government. And, um, or, you know, like, you know, my vision increases the average contract value by saying, hey, we have this new product. You can click it, you know, you can add it on for an extra X dollars a month. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, your customer average contract value increases and your growth increases. So, so that's the mile vision. Um, you know, this may, and then mile vision is not clear if it's just additional functionality or an actual other product line. I think paper, it's even more clear that this is an expansion into an adjacent market. So for those people that aren't familiar with paper, paper currently helps students improve results um, in their basically what they're studying, provides a tutoring platform, helps you get better. What major clarity did or does is they provide tools to help, um, you know, for what they call career and college readiness. So they help you figure out what you should be studying for whatever your desired career or college is. So this is an interesting add-on. So you got paper, your customer, you know, that you're serving K to 12 market, you're helping tutoring, you're already interfacing with the students. You go to the, I don't know, the Florida school board that you're serving in Tampa and go, look, you're helping people get better marks, but, are you really making sure those high school students are studying the right thing? We now have this thing called major clarity where if you pay us an extra X dollars per month, not only will it get help people get better marks, we'll make sure they're actually studying the right thing. So this is right. an actual expansion of their product suite, which should lead to f- faster growth. I really wish something like that existed when I was obviously going through the education process. I think it, that is very relevant and makes a lot of sense. Uh, so thank you for just diving in a little bit further on to maybe why we lumped them together, but also how they are slightly different in terms of, you know, what they're, what is laid out about um, the acquisition. So just before we move on to a couple lightning round stories, your takeaways for our community and also just like the reasons why companies get acquired. Um, So important to note. You know, like I, I think, look, there's, there's, I'd say I'd break it down to two, two, two different groups of acquisitions. One are purely strategic mm-hmm. and high growth acquisitions. That's what the GAN one is, right? GAN is saying, you know, Infian's like, we need another way to grow quickly. This is, and it just could be, again, the one rationale I didn't talk about is first rationale is like, hey, this is some, another S curve of growth that's going to extend our life cycle, extend our growth, extend revenue. Maybe there was also sometimes you get a preempt acquisition if we buy this prevents, I don't know, um, Google from buying this and getting into the semiconductor market. So those are pure strategic, those are pure growth. And if you're not, usually that's a big company buying another big company or a company that has a clear, you know, it's a, it's strategic and it's usually clearly. But most, I'd say 90% of acquisitions happen for one of other more mundane reasons. And it's one of three things. It's either product, mm-hmm. does a company getting acquired have something that the acquirer can cross sell into their customer base Oh, you know, you know, so like, just like we discussed, there's second was distribution. Does the company requiring have a bunch of customers we don't have that we can sell them to or a unique know-how about like, I don't know, selling through TikTok so we can then sell our products better through TikTok. Or yeah. third, it's the team. Um, hey, this team is an expert in something. We're having a hard time scaling up. We have 300 open positions. They have 50 people. Um, look, is it, if you're strategic, you know what's going on. I think if you're 
any of the other three, you have to realize which of those three you are and then understand how you create value for your acquired to make sure you get the best price. What's interesting in the current market, unless you're a bunch of AI engineers, it's probably not team. So it's either distribution or product. So you can probably do some math behind it. Say, hey, this customer has, the choir has a thousand customers. You know, we charge $600 per customer per year. Uh, maybe they'll charge 400. So if they get across all 50, you know, success looks like, you know, 50% times 600, that's 300 times a thousand. So we're, we generate, well, whatever that makes up to $300,000 a year. And, you, you know, we can get, you know, lifetime value is three years. So we're going to create a million dollars in extra additional revenue. So we should be able to capture some value of that, but it's not mm-hmm. going to be higher than that. Like, and so you can, so you have to know why you're selling it and can actually figure out what you're pot- potentially worth. So you can get, make sure you optimize your round. So, um, it, you know, if you're in a position where you're selling, it's not strategic. Uh, that's the approach I take to understand why, you know, how, how much room you have to negotiate. Okay, interesting. So yeah, so product distribution team and uh, new growth or strategy. So those are uh, obviously very different things related yeah. to whatever the acquisition would be. Um, just to to get through the last uh, bit of news that we have, there's a lot of lightning uh, round segments I want to go through quickly. So just um, different uh, raises and acquisitions to note just from the last couple of weeks. So the first one is um, related to Cohere. So why don't we do the news there and why that is interesting? So both the Global Mail and BetaKit reported that Salesforce Ventures, new 250 million USD uh, generative AI focused fund invested in Toronto-based Cohere. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting here is more what wasn't disclosed. Actually, as I thought about this more just before we got on air, they didn't disclose the timing of this investment. They didn't disclose the amount of the investment. They didn't disclose the valuation. So it's not clear, you know, there's a bunch of rumors. Start, you know, Reuters said earlier in February that Google is looking at investing in the company at a $6 billion um, valuation. Mm-hmm. And so it's not clear if this is part of that round. So neither confirms or denies what's going on. Um, what's also interesting, this is a leading Canadian AI, you know, AI company in the LLM space um, that seems to be surpassed and buzzed by OpenAI, but still seems to be highly valued off, you know, just for the technology they built. So just, just right. interesting to see this float out there without any real details while there's another rumored uh, investment out there. Right. Um, again, I'm going to plug, here's another example. We, we did Cohere's spoken at least once or twice. They spoke, some, some of the teams spoke this Monday at TechTO, but in the past, yep. we've had the founders speak. Um, it'd be, you know, maybe it'd be great just to put a video out there and show people what, a, a bit I- about them. Absolutely, we'll do. It'll be uh, definitely a good place to feature that. It'll be in the newsletter and also in the show notes. Um, we, this is probably all speculation, and I know you, you probably don't know why. Is it common to see th- things like this where there's a lot of details that aren't aren't disclosed? Well, again, we've been this long enough. You don't get to disclose the terms. What's odd here is just, well, look, this is being driven more by Salesforce announcing they have a generative uh-huh. AI-focused fund than a specific investment because there's one of four companies they invest in. It's just mm-hmm. odd to see an announcement of an investment which seems to be off-cycle when another investment's about to happen in a company. So it's gotcha. a bit odd. Gotcha. Okay. In, in my opinion. Yeah. No, that, totally fair. Uh, so next segment, uh, just related to Glowstick. So what's the news there also? So interesting. And your takeaways. Toronto Glowstick-based uh, Glowstick raised $1.3 million pre-seed round, so a bit smaller than... Uh, the Cohere one. Mm-hmm. It's led by Clio Capital, but what was interesting here was he had participation from three Element AI co-founders, Joshua Benino, 
uh, sorry, Joshua Bengio, uh, Jean-Francois Gagné, and Nicholas Chapados. Uh, there's also Entrepreneurs First invested in, and a, a few other angels. What's interesting, first of all, Masha Kroll is a TechTO insider, so congratulations mm -hmm. to her. But more relevant to this conversation here, she's an uh, alumnus of Element AI. So it's almost like a takeaway for the community here. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best and easiest ways to raise money and validate your credentials and bona fides is to have the co-founders from the pre the, you know, your previous company invest in your startup, especially it helps if they were a hot company at one point. Because if those founders want to invest in you, you got lots of like, credibility with um, uh, any potential VC investors because they're going to do diligence anyways. Right. And the need to do diligence quickly falls away if you have three of the previous co-founders you worked for invest in you. Also, um, it's going to, you know, this is an EF company, Entrepreneurs First, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, from their Toronto courts. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Toronto courts over time, what impact they have on the city. Definitely. Uh, and now just to combine uh, two pieces of Montreal-based uh, news. So the Congruence Therapeutics. So what's the news there? Why is it interesting? What are your takeaways? Okay. They raised a 15 million USD Series A extension led by Thrive Venture Fund. Uh, congruence, for people that don't know, helps speed up drug discovery for rare diseases. We can get into more details, but mm -hmm. basically, um, why this is interesting, they're one of many AI-based drug discovery companies out of the Canadian ecosystem. And there's quite a few of these that have raised quite a bit of money. And it seems like, you know, we've had an advantage in AI because we're like, you know, going back to Joshua Benjijo, uh, you know, UFT and, you know, uh, Jeffrey Hinton, there's a lot of the early pioneers in the current AI came out of Canada. It feels like in many cases we don't haven't taken full advantage of this leadership, but for whatever reason, companies helping make drug discovery faster based on AI have seemed to done, we have multiple of them doing well here. Um, I think the other interesting thing here is that yeah. Thrive is, you know, is the BDC Women's First Fund, and it's good to see him take a lead position in the deal. I think that's a great one to highlight as well. And lastly, Assist IQ, their raise, uh, same same kind of three questions I'll fire at you. The news, why is it interesting, and the big takeaways. So Montreal-based Assist IQ um, actually has distributed co-founders, uh, one in Montreal, a couple in mm -hmm. Toronto, or two in Montreal and two in Toronto. They raised $2.5 from Stand-Up Ventures and 49P. Full disclosure, that's my fund. Mm -hmm. uh, the Kale Fund and several others. Uh, Assist IQ helps hospitals analyze and reduce spend on consumables, uh, which should lower the cost of healthcare and decrease carbon footprint. Why is this interesting? Uh, a couple things. Um, the co-founding team is more or less bringing the band back together. Uh, three of them had worked previously in a bootstrap company and they got to a point where they sold it. Uh, this technology was piloted and proved out at the Chum Hospital in Montreal. Um, and you know, and you know, we're seeing more and more adoption of tech by the healthcare system. So, what are the takeaways here? It's like um, there's quite a few industries that have a reputation of being difficult to sell into, and have made them historically hard to raise money for. So, healthcare systems, education systems, but I think the long-term legacy of mm -hmm. COVID is going to be those industries sort of got slammed and. It, it, we got over our regulatory inertia of not of changing them. So now you've got the health tech system, health systems and education systems actually adopting technology much quicker. So I think there's a lot more opportunity here than there was five, six years ago. Um, second of all, you know, 
sort of slammed the federal government for focusing wrong areas. Mm-hmm. But here's an example of, you know, a government-related entity taking a pro- working on a project with a startup and finding a way to commercialize in a way that makes sense. So Chum basically was a pilot part partner for SysIQ, and it looks like they may hopefully have built a big, you know, a product that can be big and have a big impact. Um, and again, I'll do a shout out uh, to SysIQ. Uh, Lisa, the co-founder of Montreal, was at our last Tech Montreal. So, you know, here's maybe the fourth or fifth video that we could uh, share. Absolutely. No, she was. I was actually going to mention that if you didn't. So uh, perfect. I know, I know we, we covered a lot today, but just on the note of events before I let you go, we have a really interesting one coming up uh, at the end of March, on March 22nd. It is a Tech2O special completely focused on Web3 and to learning from the industry leaders and, and founders who are just really... Um, like revolutionizing in that space and and just building something that's really cool. Uh, anything you want to highlight about that one before before I let you well, go? You know, it, it's you know, I've been asked why are you doing Web three isn't Web three mm-hmm. done? Um, the hype may be gone, but I think the builders are still building. And yep. you know, you know, AI is getting all the hype now, but I do still think there's a lot of stuff in the blockchain and a lot of stuff in Web three that are going to have an impact. And so we're going to highlight a few different companies that talk about different aspects of what the power of blockchain or NFTs can be. So if you're interested in space, I think you're going to have some faces you may not know. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a lot. There'll be a lot. You'll meet people in the ecosystem and you'll learn a lot of what's going on. So, yeah, I think it's worth showing up. But I'm absolutely. You know, yeah, I think there's a lot of disconnect too, and a lot of lack of understanding of what even just it is. So I know for me, I'm looking forward to just learning more about the specifics and just w- why it's you know still relevant and we should be paying attention. So all those events you can find them on our website techtio.org. Great place to learn from the experts in real life. Uh, Alex, we jammed a lot in today. Thank you very much for breaking everything down for us. Um, if you liked this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. We will be back in two weeks with another episode of Quick Takes. And until then, we will see you on the inside. We're in the business of delivering impossible things. We're in the business of delivering things that nobody's ever seen before. If you build that culture, you'll come up with you know really cool and innovative stuff and you know, literally could be in the next multi-billion dollar idea. So this conversation is largely going to be about scaling yourself and scaling your leadership team. I want to talk about one of the biggest struggles that I think a lot of startups face early on, which is building initial traction.